Raise your hand out there if you consider yourself a procrastinator. Now I'm going to venture a guess that a handful of you did raise your hand, as did I. I definitely fall into that category as well. It actually appears, though, it's our mindset that really hurts us when it comes to time management. You know, there are people who say, I work best under pressure. And usually that's not really true, but that's kind of a feeling that they don't want to think of themselves as being limited. One of the issues for procrastinators in terms of the psychology of procrastination is they don't like to feel controlled. They don't want to feel controlled by time, and they don't want to feel controlled by limits. Hi, everyone. I'm Tim Muma. Thanks for listening to LJN Radio. That was the voice of our guest, psychologist Jane Burka. She's also the co-author of Procrastination, Why You Do It, What to Do About It Now. And she comes on the show to tell us why time management techniques, those traditional ones anyway, don't necessarily help procrastinators, at least until there's a mental change. Jane, thanks a lot for coming on the show today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Let's go ahead and jump right into the core of some of the ideas of procrastinators. And I wanted to ask why, in general, do normal time management techniques not necessarily work when it comes to people who tend to procrastinate? Ordinary time management techniques can be helpful if you use them. Mm -hmm. But so many procrastinators put off applying the time management techniques. So I think that there are two questions that have to come before someone tries to use these really very helpful approaches. The first question is, why is someone procrastinating? Because then they can also put off using the techniques. And the second question is, what is their relationship with time? Hmm. Because if a procrastinator has an idiosyncratic relationship to time, then time management techniques are not very useful. Sure. It's interesting you mentioned about sort of a relationship to time. I don't know if many people think of it that way. I know you had a mention of a lot of times people seeing an optimistically vague view on time. Can you explain what that means exactly and how that might affect procrastinators? Well, most procrastinators either have an optimistic view that something won't take very long or a pessimistic view that it's going to take so long, why bother? (laughs) When you have an optimistic view of how long something will take, it's usually held in mind in a very vague, wishful thinking kind of way. Like, oh, this won't take me long. You know, I can read War and Peace in one night. Oh, sure. (laughs) Uh, You know, I, I can get all the data I need for my report on Friday afternoon. And so when you are underestimating how long something will take, then when you actually get going and you find you don't have enough time, only then do you realize that you've been procrastinating. Because during the time period when you have this kind of vague and hopeful idea that things will just go smoothly, you may not realize that you're procrastinating or you think that once you get started, everything will just fall into place. And then it's a shock or even an insult when that doesn't happen. And then I saw another interesting part where you noted that there's almost this feeling of control over time, or maybe you can explain it better for the listeners. But and again, it was a fascinating way of looking at things that the more I saw an explanation of it, the more it made a little sense from the people I know. I think that procrastinators really play games with time. Hmm. And there's kind of an illusion that time is not inevitable. It's not inexorable. It's not going to be relentless. There's an illusion that you can have control over time. So there's kind of a feeling that procrastinators have that they don't have to apply deadlines or meet deadlines. 
They don't have to watch the clock. They don't have to pay attention to the calendar. And it's kind of, I would have to say, an omnipotent feeling that the passage of time doesn't really apply to them. Sure. And so when someone has this kind of denial about the reality of time, then it breeds procrastination because you don't really take the passage of time seriously, whether you're talking about having to prepare work or even whether you're talking about getting older. Hmm. Many procrastinators who have this kind of idiosyncratic relationship to time don't actually expect that they're going to be feeling different at 50 than they did at 30. Again, it's kind of an illusion that you are immune from the reality of time. And one thing I'd like to say about that is that there actually are two different ways of relating to time. One is called objective time, and that is paying attention to the clock and the calendar. Right. And the other is subjective time. And each of us has a different subjective relationship to time. So I might think that being 15 minutes late means nothing, and you might think that being 15 minutes late is rude. Sure. And people who have different subjective relationships to time often don't understand the other type. You know, so I would say, look, I'm only 15 minutes late. And you would say, yeah, but we got started 15 minutes ago. <laughs> and procrastinators often, their subjective sense of time is quite different from objective time, quite different from clock time or calendar time. And so if a person can be aware of how they tend to view time, it can be very helpful both in their relationships with other people and also in maybe working on trying to be closer to clock time. Sure. Well, that's interesting because uh, another part that I had seen um, in an article you wrote talked a little bit about how, of course, we're all wired differently, whether it be our brains or our bodies. And especially when it comes to work, we don't always have a whole lot of control over, you know, as you mentioned, if a meeting starts at this time, that's when it starts. If a deadline is at this time, that's when it's due. Are there little things that people can do to try to adjust themselves and their subjective clock to that objective clock? You're right about people being wired differently. In 2001, scientists discovered something they call clock genes. We used to joke and say, look, there's no procrastination gene, but it turns <laughs> out that there is. Aha! <laughs> yes. When we first wrote our, uh, the first edition of our book, which was in 1983, we didn't know this at that time, but in our revision of the book in 2008, we took account of that because a clock gene is something that is in your cellular system that determines your own diurnal rhythm. And it controls a lot of different ways that the body relates to time. Mm -hmm. So some people are morning people and some people are evening people, for example. And so if a person tends to be a procrastinator and it, procrastination gets them in trouble in some way, it would be very important for them to realize that in reality, in biological reality, there are real differences in their performance and their productivity and their ability to concentrate at different times of the day. Okay. So if you have someone who's a morning person, but they procrastinate and then they have to do their work at night, it's really a double whammy because they've waited too long and they're not at their best. So we really encourage people to take very seriously the rhythms of their own body's natural timing so that they can get the most out of themselves when they're at their peak performance. Right. 
No, I think that's great advice. And, uh, you know, just that self-awareness piece, I think is so huge. When we're talking about, whether we're talking about time management or anything else, that seems to come up a lot when we speak with our guests here. I wanted to turn our attention to that uh, vagueness idea, because I feel like that plays such a large role, whether you're procrastinating or not, I feel like that can play a role. How can people do things or what can they do to try to turn that vague thinking into concrete thinking, as you put it in your article? First of all, you have to realize that you think in vague ways about something. When we did our procrastination groups, we would ask someone to set their goal for the week. This was at the University of California at Berkeley. So they would say, well, I I need to uh, get my term paper done. And then we would say, well, actually, when is your term paper due? I'm not sure. How many pages does it have to be? I don't know. What's your topic? I haven't chosen it yet. (laughs) So the idea that you keep your goal in your mind in a vague and global way is really a setup for not being able to use time management techniques Mm -hmm. because time management techniques suggest that you break something down into small pieces. But if your goal is vague in your mind in the first place, you haven't even thought about what small pieces are involved. And we would find that other members of the group were able to say to somebody, well, you haven't really thought about what's actually necessary. Mm. So they could see it in someone else, but they couldn't see it in themselves. So it's really important that people try to recognize, again, as you say, the self-awareness piece, that when they're thinking about their goal, like I have to stop procrastinating or I need to try to um, rearrange my desk, that any goal you have in mind should be framed in such a concrete way that you could take a picture of yourself doing it. Hmm. That's how concrete it should be. So if you say, I'm going to stop procrastinating, you can't take a picture of that. Right. But if you say, I'm going to, I'm looking at my desk right now, you know, I'm going to file the, all these papers that are in my inbox and put them in their proper folders. That I could take a picture of myself doing. I could see the box as it is now, which is pretty bad, and I could <laughs> see it when it's empty. So that is a kind of a litmus test to challenge yourself as to whether or not you are keeping your goal vague or whether you actually are making it concrete. Because once it's concrete, you can break it down into its component parts. And I have found that that is the single most helpful technique, certainly for myself, who used to be a procrastinator, but not anymore. (laughs) And the idea that you can break something down into small pieces and then use a little bit of time to do one piece and a little bit of time to do another piece so that you're not putting it off for one great Herculean effort. I think that's great. I've never heard the illustration of basically breaking it down to where, as you said, you could take a picture of yourself doing it or of the task being complete. I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think mentally that's just a huge thing. And obviously you would know you uh, as a former procrastinator yourself and also yes, an expert right. in this area. I think that's really great to hear. How about the idea of limits and setting limits? Of course, we talk to people all the time about just having so much work or so much to be done or so much on their minds. Uh, what importance is there of setting limits and what kind of limits can we set for ourselves? Because from what I've seen, there are some various ways you can go about doing that. Limit setting is a very interesting topic for procrastinators. Again, people who've gotten themselves in trouble because of their procrastination, because they are really, it's kind of like the same thing as the vague and global goals or the wishful thinking relationship mm-hmm. to time. They don't like to think of themselves as having limits. Sure. And so there's kind of a feeling that when the time comes, you can do anything. 
So they can put it off and put it off thinking that when they're finally ready, they can do it. It'll go quickly. It'll go smoothly. And that there is no limit to their performance when they're under the gun. You know, there are people who say, I work best under pressure. And usually that's not really true, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of a feeling that they don't want to think of themselves as being limited. One of the issues for procrastinators in terms of the psychology of procrastination is they don't like to feel controlled. They don't want to feel controlled by time and they don't want to feel controlled by limits. And so this is kind of like time management. It's not an easy thing to say to a procrastinator, you should be better at setting limits because underneath that issue, there can be a feeling that, well, limits don't apply to me. Mm-hmm. Once again, you need to have that level of self-awareness to see if you're even willing to set limits or if you accept that setting limits is necessary for you. Once you get to that point where you realize that you actually can't do everything, then the important thing is to, I think, is to set priorities about what really matters. Because sometimes people will procrastinate on a big thing by doing lots of little things. And that's, even though it can feel productive, that's a way of procrastinating. I think it's very important to recognize what is the most important thing and use your abilities for that and put limits on some of the other things that demand your time. You're going to have to divide your time in some way if you can accept that as a basic principle. Well, I think you've given us some really good insights and perspective on, uh, you know, for what is a problem for a lot of us, whether it be at work or in our lives in general, and not just procrastinators, but I think, as you noted, time management in general, I think that's such a big thing. I wanted to give you the floor at the end here, as you do with many of our guests, just to give us a nice takeaway from this conversation, anything you would like to leave the listeners with in terms of whether it's where to get started, if you really need to kind of nip the procrastination in the bud, so to speak, or uh, any other general tips that you'd like to offer up as we close out the show. Well, the main thing I would say is just get started. Just pick one small thing that is related to what you need to do and just get started because the longer you wait, the more you put it off, the more dread you feel, the more anxiety you feel, and the harder it is to work. So even if it's 15 minutes, just get started. Words to live by. Dr. Burka, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And with that, we'll wrap up this edition of Moving Up the Ladder. Again, we are speaking with Jane Burka. She's a psychologist and co-author of Procrastination, Why You Do It, What to Do About It Now. If you'd like to give us some feedback on this or any of our episodes, just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at the LJN. And you can always find our shows on iTunes. Just search LJN Radio in the iTunes store. Thank you once again for listening. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.